Welcome to the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Your weekend wake-up tradition. It's Rosie on the House. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Rosie on the House this morning. Now, in our family travels through Arizona, we've been very fortunate to experience some of the most historically significant properties in the whole state. And in this Arizona hour of Rosie on the House, we're fortunate to bring you another special guest representing a family-operated cattle ranch that date back to 1935 as a cattle ranch. But of particular interest is that the ranch boundaries were established by a Spanish land grant dating to 1832, located in one of my most absolute favorite corners of the whole state. We'll be learning today of the Baba Kamari Ranch, just east of Sonoida, Arizona, with Miss Ellen Williams, on-site ranch manager and Brophy family member. Miss Ellen, good morning. Good morning. And just to tell you how remote she is, you can get there uh, in a sedan, uh, but it's down a little bit of a dirt road. She's at the very end of the landline by CenturyLink, so we've asked her to drive to the top of a hill, get in her truck, and talk to us by cell phone. So, Ellen, appreciate the extra effort this morning. <laughs> that's, that's no problem. And, Not at all. And I know the hill you're parked on, and you're looking out to the Huachucas across your Baba Kamari little valley there with the ranch down in it. Uh, i got to believe it's a beautiful morning. It is. It, uh, this is a really lovely time of year. Fall is just moving in, so the mornings are very crisp and cool, and so are the evenings, and then the, the days are sunny and warm. And this past month, we were blessed with rainfall. It just made things even a little bit nicer. Like I say, we've been very fortunate to be to the ranch many times. And standing on the hill where Miss Ellen's parked right now, she could see deer, she could see antelope, she could see javelina, she could see turkey. She could see any one of three different species of quail. It's absolutely one of the most beautiful spots in all of Arizona, located right on the Baba Kamari River. It's the Baba Kamari Ranch, and she's seeing land that were first seen by European settlers in the 1500s. Talk a little bit about the historic impact of the, of, of the ranch and the surrounding area. I will try. I'm not the greatest historian. I have other family members that are better. But um, I know that I believe it was Father Kino uh, trekked through here. And also there's been, there were, uh, I think it's the Supaibari Indian tribe for the, uh, was a native tribe. They were a peaceful Indian uh, tribe. They were, uh, I believe, more, you know, ranchers. I think they were nomadic. And then the Apaches. Uh, were in this area also, um, and they created a lot of trouble for the European settlers, and there was a lot of, you know, clashes and a lot of problems with them. The original Fort Wallen that was built here to help with the uh, problems with the Apaches is, the remains of it, is located on our property, going pretty far east on our property. We've had a few archaeologists out here that have, think they found the parade grounds and the actual remains of the fort. It was then later moved to what is now Fort Huachuca. 
and you're just west of Fort Huachuca by half from from the hill Miss Allen's parked at. She can look to the east, and she's seeing the north end of the Huachuca Mountains and Fort Huachuca. I'm surprised I don't hear any drones. Uh, they were out earlier. Apparently, they're taking a break. <laughs> <laughs> I had them flying over earlier as I was as I was out hiking this morning with my dog. Uh, so, but yes, we have a, a we can see the actual um, fort from up here above. You can see the Huachuca Mountains, like you mentioned, the Santa Rita Mountains, and then the Mustang Mountains. And even further on, we can see the Dragoon. So we have quite a quite a view up here almost see from one end of the ranch to the other when you're up here up top. And then the Baba Kamari River flows right, right. through the middle of the property. Uh, and, of course, it's a it's a, a beautiful riparian. I mean, I've, I've been sleeping in the little adobe house there and been woken up by ducks and geese. <laughs> right. And I actually, the, the, the ducks are migratory, and I actually spotted my first one today. On We have a natural what we call a natural cattle drinker up here, full of water from the rain we received last month. And there was one lone duck on it, but they do move in. Uh, the turkeys are here. They'll be moving out pretty soon. Um, I'm, I'm not sure exactly where they go, but they, they migrate in and migrate out. Um, deer, like you said, are here all the time. Antelope, javelina, quail. Doves were a little slow to move back in this year. I think everything was a little slow. We had a, um, a pretty cold winter. Um, but we do have an abundance of wildlife. It's, it's wonderful to sit in the evening and look in the Cienega and watch all the activity down there. Now, talk about the size of the ranch. Uh, it's, it's a, to me, it's a peculiar-shaped ranch until you go there and see why it's shaped that way. To me, it's... It, kind of reminds me of the shape of the state of California. Um, but I, I think the reasoning that the, for the shape is to have the, the Cienega, the riparian area, to have the river on the property, but also have a lot of open rangeland um, for grazing. And that's something that we've been working on for years, is trying to uh, control the mesquite, the cat claw, and to keep it open range, not only for the cattle, but for the uh, for the wildlife. Now, does the river flow year-round? Is there a spring that pumps out of it, or does it just run from rain runoff? Uh, the river, is, it's very interesting. We have a group that comes out and maps it every year, and part of the river is underground, part of it's above ground. Certain years, it flows better than others. Um this year, we have more of it below ground than above. We're not sure why. We have a geologist, actually, that we're going to talk to tomorrow um, and set up um, where we can actually figure out what is going on with the river. We've had a couple of springs go dry. Um, but yet again, we dredged our, our – we have a man-made pond below the main house. We did a huge project this year of dredging it, getting all the cattails out, opening back up. Oh, Wow. And it is it is spring fed, um, so that's that's good. That's up and flowing. But we are going to look into why more of the river is going underground. We're not seeing as much above ground. And how many miles of river do y'all have within your ranch? Oh, I'm <laughs> I'm 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 pretty sure the ranch from one end to the other is 22 miles. I think. 
so the river runs through it. I'm going to say for at least two-thirds of the property, the river's on, on our property. We do get a lot of requests from locals to fish because we have the only above-ground flowing water in the area where there is fishing. We can't honor all those requests, but we do, <laughs> you know, try to try to give the locals a chance to come out and fish. And it's all catch and release. And, you know, as long as people abide by the rules and, you know, take care of the property and, and you know, be good stewards, we don't mind, you know, well, helping out. I tell you what, Miss Helen, being a guest of y'all's at the ranch, one thing I'd like to say about the Brophy family is y'all are a lot different than me. If I had that place... I'd put lock gates on the property. It would be my private preserve. And the amount that y'all share it with other people, is it just, it just blows my mind how generous y'all are allowing people to enjoy the ranch. Well, we do, and I think that's just part of our, our family legacy that we feel very blessed to have this property and to have held on to it all these years. And we do... We do like to share it with others because it is such a special place, and we feel like we should share it with others, you know, to a certain extent. We do have locked gates on all the different ends, and uh, most people are respectful of that. There's always a few that aren't. Um, but if people are respectful and call ahead, and we're, we're more than happy to share the place. Pack with out others. their trash. Don't leave a bunch of litter. <laughs> right. You're, you leave it just... Come out here and leave it just as you found it. And then if that's the case, we're, we're glad to share it. And your family, if, 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 I'm speaking from memory, but I think y'all are, y'all are the fourth title owner of the ranch since the King of Spain, since, uh, since Father actually, Kino gave it to the King of Spain in the 1500s. Right, and we're—I think we're actually the third because, well, after the King of Spain, because it was a—it was um, a, a Spanish land grant to the Elias family in 1832 by the Republic of Mexico, and then they fled because of the problem with the Apaches, and then Doctor E.B. Perrin purchased it, and I'm sorry I don't have the year. He applied for the whole grant, which was over 300,000 acres, oh. but they ended up. They ended up giving him thirty six thousand acres, and that's and the current. That's the size of the current ranch. It's a little smaller now. Um, uh, it's about twenty eight thousand acres right now because it's, as my father's generation aged due to maybe financial problems, health problems, um, they sold out their units, and in doing so, they're they're given land, and so it's about twenty eight thousand right now. Now we're gonna have to do a little bit deeper on the history side of things because y'all mentioned Kino, Father Kino both times, but I think he has more to do with over on Tucson. It was Marcos Deniza that first came in in 50, 1539 and was the one that claimed it for the king of uh, Spain. You you may be right. I mean, I mean we're talking Columbus era. Four, 480 yeah. years ago. This was... Eighty-one years before the Pilgrims ever hit Plymouth Rock, <laughs> we're we're visiting with Miss Ellen Williams, a member of the Brophy family, uh, that currently owns the Baba Kamari Ranch, one of the most historically significant, privately held pieces of property in all of Arizona. And you, you, it's you may be wondering why are we covering it? 
Well, stay tuned. We're going to cover that in the next segment. Cruise it through the Arizona Hour with Sanderson Ford and Rosie on the house. Oh, man, I'm so glad y'all are joining us this morning because I get to talk about one of my absolute most favorite pieces of property in all of Arizona with one of the family owners. Miss Ellen Williams is joining us from the top of a hill overlooking her home that dates back hundreds of years at the Baba Kamari Ranch. Miss Ellen, again, thanks for joining us and taking the time to drive up to the top of the hill so we could get good cell reception. Sure. Glad glad to join you. Yeah. Well, one of the we we have been to the Baba Kamari over the last twenty years, many, many times. Like I say, it's absolutely one of my most favorite places to go in all of Arizona. But one of my most favorite memories was when y'all let Jennifer and I trailer our horses down and stay in the old adobe home. And we came down with another couple, John and Meg. Y'all provided them horses. And we got to spend three days just riding horses and watching the deer, watching the antelope, counting the javelina, flushing quail left and right. It was absolutely beautiful. Talk about what your family's current doing with the Baba Kamari. Well, we always have a lot of things going on here. Like we tell people, it seems like we're sitting out in the middle of nowhere and there's not much to do, but this is a very active place. Um, taking care of 28,000 acres is, is a big job. There's a lot, lot of projects. Um, we just, like as I mentioned before, we got done dredging our pond out. We uh, have plans for our farm field, maybe looking into growing hemp. Um, we're fencing different pastures off, you know, uh, looking forward to, not forward, but in case of years of drought, we want to provide adequate um, grazing for the cattle and the wildlife. So there's always lots going on here. How many cattle are currently on the ranch, and what breed or breeds do y'all prefer? We, I think we, we usually run around 1,200 and most of them, there's one lady, uh, Grace Weistrack from Sonoida, that runs her Hereford cattle out here. But the rest of them are usually uh, Angus uh, or Charlay Cross. They seem to, uh, they, the, the black cows, the Angus Crosses, they seem to do the best out here. It's a beautiful setting. And the Adobe home, me and my family have stayed in. Y'all actually make available through VRBO, right? Yes, yes, we do. We have it listed on VRBO. It's listed as the historical adobe at Babacomry Ranch, um, and we do it, we do keep it rented quite a bit, especially in the high seasons, which are fall and spring. Summer can be a little warm here. It's an older adobe home, so uh, it does stay nice and cool, but we don't have air conditioning. But it is the original structure that was here when my grandfather bought it back in 1935, 1935, 1935, I'm sorry. And, of course, we've added on to it over the years. It's been home to ranch managers, ranch hands, um, you know, many different people. And now it's available uh, to the general public to rent. And how about other events? We are looking. We have had weddings here before. I bet. That would be a cool place. To say you're absolutely oh. yeah, couple beautiful 
place. Now, most people like the riparian area. Uh, there is an old, old grove of cottonwood that provides a beautiful setting. Uh, Cloth and Flame uh, did a dinner there over Memorial Day weekend to promote the local wineries, and it was absolutely just stunning. And then we have a beautiful area also down by the pond, which is another lovely area. And we are we're trying to promote more uh, events and weddings. Um, we're we're, we're going to be the site provider, but we will be um, trying to do a little bit more of that. And how, how would people, I'm sure we've piqued the interest of thousands of people across Arizona, how would people reach out to y'all and find out more? We have a website, the Babacomery Ranch. Um, just Google us and all the information's there, or go on BRBO, and we are listed, like I said, as the historical adobe. I'm on it. I'm on it right now, and I'm going to put that in our uh, social media post. Every hour we post uh, all links and resources that were covered so somebody could have quick access to those. So that will be included here shortly at the end of the hour. Okay, great. Well, and as we wrap up this interview again, I'd I'd just like to take my hats off, tip of the hat to the Brophy family for being so generous in sharing this historically significant piece of property with so many people for so many years. If you ever get the chance to book a stay and go meet Ellen and her husband and enjoy the property, do it. It's the Baba Kamari Ranch. It's just, uh, what are y'all, 20 miles east of Sonoida? Uh, yes. We're not, we're about, it's, it's like a 25 minute drive into Sonoida. Yeah, so the grasslands of southeast Arizona, where the movie Oklahoma was filmed, it's right there. The Baba Kamari Ranch, Miss Ellen. Again, I can't thank you enough. Sure, glad to do it. It's been a pleasure. It's a beautiful part of Arizona, southern Arizona, the Canela Hills area. It's our oh, featured yes. staycation oh. destination. Oh. Our winner is going to be traveling to Patagonia this month, so we'll be covering the whole area of. Sonoida, Elgin, Patagonia, Canela Hills, Empire Ranch as our featured staycation destination. You can go to rosieonthehouse.com slash travelaz to sign up to win. We're drawing now for Kingman. The tank is full, and we're moving through the Arizona Hour with Sanderson Ford and Rosie on the House. And a beautiful Arizona Saturday morning to you. We continue our Arizona Hour. We're shifting gears here. We've had the pleasure of talking with the Baba Kamari Ranch, which I blew right through our true or false trivia question for a state of Arizona State Park passes. So we'll do that right here. The rise of the Hereford cow came in the 1880s. A cattleman by the name of Colin Cameron from the East Coast brought the Hereford to Arizona in 1883. Here's the question for true or false. The reason he brought the Hereford is because, uh, unlike the Longhorns, who have very long horns, the Hereford were easier to pack in the rail cars, and you could get more pound per uh, steer into each uh, cartload, and that was the reason you saw the Herefords become the main cattle source over the Longhorn. If that's true, text true to 411923. If you think that's false, text false to 411923 and we'll pick a random right winner at the end of this programming segment. 
I'm in Tucson today for the Tucson uh, TC, uh, the Saba Home Show at the Tucson Convention Center. A couple interesting things going on down here. The Aravipa uh, Hot Shots became upgraded in the, the 13th in, uh, interagency hot shot crew in the nation. And it's one of only two hotshot crews that are focused specifically on recruiting veterans are located at Fort Huachuca and they began the process to become an IHC hotshot crew in 2016 so congratulations to three years of hard work to the Aravipa hotshot crew and your upgrading status uh, lots going on in Tucson Raytheon uh, Arizona's 13th largest employer we'll be talking about uh, that a little bit later uh, about all the different employers in Arizona, but they are expanding, adding over a thousand jobs over the next few years right here in Tucson. There's a lot going on there. And then the cost of U of A's gym and mineral museum rises by the millions. If you have not seen it, U of A has an incredible uh, campus with a gym. And if you've never been to the Rock and Mineral Museum, and we've got an incredible layout of exhibitors here at uh, the home show. But if you've not been down here for the Mineral and Rock show, it is uh three to four times the amount of exhibitors you see here. It's an incredible uh, annual feature here in southern Arizona. And they're doing a great expansion of the museum uh, over at U of A campus. So if you need a field trip for your kids or you want to see part of the interesting gems and minerals that come out of the mining industry here in Arizona, it's a great resource. But we've got a great <clears throat> guest joining us this segment. Carrie Kressler, you are a through hiker of the Arizona Trail. <clears throat> what is the Arizona Trail? Uh, the Arizona Trail, it's an 800-mile uh, non-motorized path that runs from Mexico, the Mexico-U.S. border, all the way up to the Utah border. Uh, it passes actually just, just east of Tucson. And the state from Utah to Mexico is not 800 miles, but no. the trail itself is. Right, Lots yeah. of up and down. <laughs> lots of ups and downs, lots of roundabouts, yeah, for sure. Um, so it is a lot longer than the state is. Uh, it goes through some really beautiful country, through mountains, canyons, forests, and deserts. So you really get to see the entirety of what Arizona has to offer in terms of landscapes. And how long did it take you to hike that? It took me uh, and my husband two months to hike it. Did y'all do it nonstop or sections intermittently? We did it nonstop, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so we went from end to end. And... Like you said, there's a lot of great scenery, a lot of great elevation change. What were some of the highlights that uh, y'all, when you look back on that adventure, that you know this part or this region or these petroglyphs, what, what were some of your favorites? Oh, gosh. Mostly, uh, I enjoyed the a lot of the mountainous region, re, regions. So we have the, uh, the Santa Rita's, the Wachita's. Uh, actually, it goes over the Catalinas over here. Uh, the main highlight, though, was certainly the Grand Canyon, and I, I feel like it may be overstated, but it's it's just so beautiful. Uh, I actually, my father joined us for that portion of the hike, so the memories there are pretty precious, and hiking all the way down into the canyon and then all the way back up the other side because that's what the Arizona Trail does is uh, is really a, a neat experience and gave me the full picture of how big it is. And did y'all start on the south and go north or north and come south? So we went uh, from south to north to a certain point, and then we uh, we actually did a flip-flop hike, which is uh, less common. And we went to the top all the way to the Utah border and hiked south back to where we had stopped. Interesting. That would be 
I would start north to south because once you got done with the Grand Canyon, if you make it through the Grand Canyon, you could definitely get the rest of it if you're doing it nonstop. Yeah. Starting from the south and going north and getting to the Grand Canyon might be, you know. <laughs> you're in really good shape when you, you get there. You though. get to the edge and you look at that and you're like, I, how can I keep going? <laughs> <laughs> this is my stopping point. No, it, uh, it, I felt in really good shape when we got to the Grand Canyon. That's what I, I feel like I was able to handle it uh, better because of all of my, my treks. But people go northbound, people go southbound, they do flip flops. Uh, people section hike it, so they'll they'll do it over the course of a few uh, years or a few decades to finish the entire trail. And some people will hike it just on a day and enjoy it that way. And y'all did it in a two month period of time. That's about a thirteen mile a day average. That's not that's not too bad. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, not too bad with no days off, right? Um, yeah, yeah, we we averaged a pretty good hiking pace when we were hiking, and we uh, we took about two weeks off total uh, to spend time with family. So yeah, it's um it's doable in a month and a half, and a lot of um a lot of people hike it even faster. I I believe the record is somewhere around 15 days, but I'm not sure on that. I remember reading that story, some nut job out of Denver that doesn't have anything else better to do than <laughs> speed hike trails. I'm like, why would you, if you're gonna take the time to hike that trail, why would you go so fast that you couldn't stop and and enjoy the scenery and the surroundings and watch a few sunsets and stroll through the areas 15 days to to go 800 miles what did you really see (laughs) well everybody enjoys a different kind of challenge Uh, and you all have a challenge next weekend we do yeah so we have an event uh we have a an effort really that's um an 800 mile long effort it's called azt in a day and uh the arizona trail is abbreviated azt uh, just so everyone knows uh so no one person can complete the entire 800 mile trail in a single day but as a community we can we can all do it together and so what we've done is we've taken the entire trail and we've divided it up into small segments uh, small being anywhere from two miles to 15.6 miles or so uh, and they're all available online for people to look at you can figure out directions to trailheads and whatnot and all of these segments are available for people to sign up for and so what we're hoping is we're hoping to get everyone, at least one person, to sign up for each segment that we have to offer. And then on October 12th, Saturday, October 12th, for the 24 hours of that day, everyone will go out and either hike, bike, run, or ride their section to complete that section. And we'll effectively complete the entire mileage of the trail in a single day. Now... 15 miles on a stretch, there's parts of this trail that uh, go more than 15 miles before you hit another road or an intersection or crossing. So I'm assuming some of these volunteer hikers are going to have to hike in the day before camp and then get up the next day to hike their section. Yeah, yeah. So this is open to hikers, runners, bikers, and equestrians. Uh, So we have a variety of people participating along those lines. Then when it comes to the remote sections, you're completely right. Uh, For some sections, it will be a smaller section perhaps, but you'll need to take a day to get to one side of it and then a day to hike it and then a day to get back out. Uh, So there are some people that are going to be camping for two nights, three nights, four nights. 
it depends on uh, it depends on your hiking pace and how you plan out your hike. The 800 miles is divided into 100 sections, and from uh, <clears throat> you say your website, I'm at aztrail.org. Where do I go from there? So go to aztrail.org and then click on our events tab, and then under events, AZT in a day 2019. You'll get a drop-down menu, and then from there, this page loads, and you can see all the different sections. Now, how do I know if somebody's already signed up for that section, or how do I find an open section? That's a good question. We're keeping a, a fairly updated list all the way at the top, so it's good for easy reference. So you can see what sections are open right underneath our logo. But then if you scroll all the way to the bottom, there are tiles which feature each section that you can possibly hike, bike, run, or ride. And they'll tell you what it's open to, how long it is, what kind of vehicle you might need. So to get can, to the starting point. Right. Because <laughs> So f we have remote sections, yes, that people will need to backpack in or bike pack in or horse pack in. Uh, but then we also have sections where you can drive to one end, but you're going to need to have a four-wheel drive, possibly high clearance vehicle. So that's good to check out before you sign up for a section just to make sure you have what you need. Now, if I hike, let's say I sign up for this first one, Montezuma's Pass. Uh, the U.S. border, and it's a uh, 3.8 miles. Mm -hmm. So I go to, I start, hit the starting point, do that 3.8. I've got to walk back then to my vehicle. The 3.8 is, uh, we've accounted for your round trip on that one uh, location. In all the other locations, it is a one-way mileage. Okay. So that one's the shortest one. I'm going to sign up for that one. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, so that's our southern terminus. You get to see the southern monument, and uh, you have wide open views the entire way. So there's something definitely for everyone on each section. And I'm sorry, I didn't answer your question. Uh, on these tiles is where you can find out how many people are signed up and whether or not it's covered. <clears throat> and you can scroll through and pick from any of the 100 mm -hmm. uh, individual hiking sections. Th that's a lot of, how many people would do you expect to turn out for this? Well, uh, we're hoping over a thousand. Right now, um, Right now, I'm not sure what our current number is. I think we're somewhere around 400 or 500. We do get a lot of signups within the last week, and we're happy to have every single one of them. We did do this attempt last year as well. We, were, we had around 800 people sign up, and we completed 96% of the trail miles. Very cool. The time of the year, next weekend, uh, October 12th, there isn't going to be a section of that that's uh, you're going to be I mean, the weather's perfect from start to finish. There's nowhere that you're going to have to worry about extreme heat, fatigue. You'll still need lots of water, but the timing of it is perfect. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we chose this weekend because it's one of the only weekends throughout the year where uh, the entire trail is, uh, is enjoyable. It's not too hot, like you said. It's not too cold north of the North Rim. Uh, the North Rim of the Grand Canyon is still open for a little bit. And so uh, we really, we're really excited to be able to, to take a snapshot of what the trail looks like in a single day. And I've heard the elk have started bugling. So as yes. you get up into the Flagstaff region, there'll be a lot of opportunity as you're out there to hear the elk calling. <clears throat> and as you mentioned, this is open to hikers, cyclists, mountain bikers, mm -hmm. uh, equestrian, and uh, anybody that's just interested in being part of the AZ trail for the day. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> And again, that's aztrail.org, mm -hmm. and you go to the events tab, you'll get a drop-down menu, s select AZ Trail 2019, sign up for a section, and um, which section are you hiking? 
Uh, last year, I hiked the the northern terminus. Uh, when my husband and I through hiked the trail, the northern terminus monument wasn't created, and so uh, we went up there to get our our northern terminus photos, our classic snapshots. So that's the ch- the section we chose last year. This year, I'm taking a step back. Uh, I'll be on the sidelines, uh, sort of managing things from afar to make sure that a lot of logistics that it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was nice to to let everything go and go hike a section last year, but uh, this year I'll be I'll be available. Very good. AZTrails.org. You can participate in the AZ Trail Day. That's next Saturday, October 12th. And if you do participate, we'll give you a pass for missing the broadcast. But there's a good chance, no matter where you are on that trail, (laughs) if you take your smartphone, you'll be able to stream online and still catch your weekly Rosie on the House radio program. The Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. First weekend in October also marks the Sabal Home Show, which we're at this weekend. And good news, everybody. Phenomenal news. They have tri-tip here. Oh, Romy, you'll bring us one. No. No? I'm bringing myself two. I guess I can feel <laughs> I'll fit one in for you. I'll bring three home. <laughs> oh, one of my favorite parts of the home show. Oh, it is not the Saba Home Show without the tri-tip. Now, it's not the regular guy. He hurt his shoulder, and the other gentleman in, I gen- uh, talked with him last night, uh, Clark Lewis. He's been in Tucson about three years, uh, coming over from Texas, originally from Mississippi. But he and his wife uh, are cooking it, and, I mean, it's 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 phenomenal. They've got a aging process and a, a cooking process and they serve it to you on a nice uh, bun. It is, it is phenomenal. So people that come to the Sabo home show just to pick up a tri-tip, you can either get the sandwich for 10 bucks or take a whole tri-tip for 30 bucks. So, Hey, Romy, you're always so convincing on this true and false. It's completely all over the place. You know what? And I missed that. Uh, thank you for keeping me on track with that. It is false. What? It was such a good, <laughs> true one. I know. It, it, and it seems likely that that's the reason uh, that you would think. Spill but the, the reason you saw the Herefords come into the main source of breed over the Longhorns is because after the winter of 1800, when the snow melted, uh, the Longhorns suffered seriously where the Herefords actually thrived. So it was thought to be a hardier breed, mm. and cattle investors and ranchers put their money into the Hereford over the Longhorn, thinking if we have another harsh winter, we won't have as much die-off of our uh, cattle herd. So that's why you saw the Herefords take over as the main breed of cattle in America over the Longhorn. Well, you would have to be a tough cow to live in Arizona. That's <laughs> hey, Romy, can I get a plug for something? You got some events coming up. We do. So Rosie and I are going to be at Sibley's West in Chandler on Wednesday evening from 5 to 6, just for a little open house. If you haven't been to Sibley's West and you're starting to think about your Christmas shopping or you have a gift to give or you want to think about baskets for your employees, anything, they have 200 unique Arizona products. And some of it's kind of a little more typical um, souvenir type, but most of it is artisans and products made right here in Arizona. Just absolutely a fun place. And they're on 72 San Marcos Place in Chandler. And then afterwards, uh, we're going to go over to the Chandler Art Center and watch Take Me to the River, New Orleans Live. It, that's going to be a great show. So there are tickets available, I noticed. So if, you, oh, if, anybody, still still in, if anybody still wants to go, it's got the, the Neville's... Um, 
are going to be there. It, it just looks like a fantastic show, live New Orleans music. This Wednesday. This Wednesday, October 9th. Now, a little bit farther out, another place we're going to be is Henry Wickenberg's 200th birthday party. That will be fun. <laughs> it's a whole weekend of activities up in Wickenburg that includes a Henry Wickenburg lookalike contest. So we're talking about uh, old-fashioned kid games, Native American dancers, lots of food trucks, beer garden, antique car show, uh, western dance. It's going to be a hoot. And that's uh, November 21st through the 24th, where the town of Wickenburg honors the founder, Henry Wickenburg, on what would be his 200th birthday. And we'll be up there to celebrate that as well. That'll be fun. You bet. Be all over that deal. And in southern Arizona this weekend, you've got the uh, Mexican Baseball Festival that's going on uh, the 3rd through the 6th. That's at the Kino Sports Complex. They've got TV advertisements, billboards, newspaper ads all over the place. They've got seven teams up from Mexico competing in a a three-day event. If you get down to our uh, Canela Hills area, the Patagonia, Elgin, Sonoida, you've got Oktoberfest going on at the Arizona Hops and Vines Vineyard. But then if you uh, move over to the Flying Leap Vineyard, tonight they've got wine and astronomy. So you have a little wine, you have a little astronomy. I don't didn't see Dr. Sky's name on there, but I definitely think that's something we need to get him in tune with. If you have too much you, wine, you'll see too many stars that aren't there, too. Well, I'd want to pinch a tent, too. Well, <laughs> well, the, great yeah. thing, the great thing about down there... The constellations you, will finally make sense. You'll finally be able to yeah, see right, them all. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's dark enough down there. You're, you're not surrounded by any big cities. I mean, the Milky Way down there is like... You can see it as a as the cloud that it really is. Yeah, I, I love it down there. One of the our featured staycation destination for this weekend. Our our winner actually. Uh, yet generally we send them on a weekend, but they called and asked if they could go during the week. And our uh, lodging partner said absolutely. So they're going to be going down there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That. I don't know about you, but I loved going to places like that during the week. You've got no crowds, no lines, uh, no. You, you've got the area so much more to yourself during the week if you can swing that. So we're happy that we were able to accommodate them for that. They'll have state park passes. They can go to San Rafael State Park. They can go to Patagonia Lake, which I didn't realize how big a boat they allowed on that. I thought it was just like a little 5 HP outboard, but that's big enough to put indoor-outdoor boats on uh, by the pictures that they've got on the state park's website. You can sign up to win your Arizona staycation at TravelArizona.com. We're drawing, uh, we're taking entries right now for Kingman, which will be our staycation destination next month in November. 